is presented by the writers and illustrators of the future. They've been providing a means for new and budding writers to have a chance for the creative efforts to be seen and acknowledged. Welcome to Chatting with Sherry. Today we welcome back international award-winning authors Lee Murray and Dan Rabbit. We talk about their new books, adventures, and everything that's been happening in their lovely lives. Here's Lee and Dan. Hi, Lee and Dan. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sherry. Hi, How are Thanks you guys? It's been a while. It has. It has been a while. Um, our usual intro, it is uh, Sunday afternoon here in New Zealand, and where I'm calling from, in Tauranga, absolutely glorious, like a summer's day. So it'll be raining where Dan is, because that's pretty typical for Wellington, right? It's not raining, but it is cloudy, <laughs> but that's all right. Wellington. We like Isn't that the capital? Yes. Yes, we have we have all the all the best people, but we don't have the best weather. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're implying, Dan Weber. I had to come up with something quickly, didn't I? <laughs> you, 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 you and your weather and your sunrises and all that. Uh, well, yeah. he, here it's hot and humid. Uh, and end uh, end of our summer. Uh, it should be hot and dry because that's normal. But this year it's humid. Yeah, it's been a, a weird couple of years because, quite frankly, I'm still in March of 2020, and I really, I don't really know what day it is. It's been very bizarre, hasn't it? It has. It has been a really yeah. strange. Uh, is it two years now? Feels like eighteen thousand. We're very lucky to still have things like podcasts to keep us connected, and uh, I think that has been kind of the silver lining of the pandemic is that we've we've connected in other ways um, and and more than we used to. Just just we're sick of screens, I know, but it has been it has been good to be able to. To connect. I mean, here, here we were with my technical problem before we started. You know, my headset had had run out of juice because I forgot to put it properly on its charger after speaking with the family on Zoom last night. So, you know, it, it, we we are connecting in different ways, which is which is nice. It is. Yeah. Yesterday, when we were we were trying to remember what um what um platform we were going to use for this interview i i had to go through and figure out which one of my devices was set up to do to do skype because one of them is set up for zoom and one of them set up for skype and you know one of them I'll, I'll, I'll use facebook facebook um video messenger on but yeah no okay i have to use that device for that so we've got options which is quite good oh my god yeah. you're very complicated dan <laughs> there I are have... reasons I have two devices. I have my laptop and my phone. That's it. <laughs> I do have an old... Oh, Dan, Dan has a fantastic sound system set up in his garage, too, because he does a bit of um, podcasting and, and um, um, audio book, uh, book narration, and so he needs a really quiet spot. So he's, he's basically commandeered the, the garage for that. So he's quite a good setup where he is. That's cool. That's cool. 
I guess I could do that. I'd have to put it in my closet, but then I'd have to get rid of half of my clothes, and I really don't want to do that. <laughs> Dan doesn't have many clothes, so it wouldn't have been a problem. <laughs> <laughs> clothes are overrated. Oh, well, only for men. Girls like clothes. <laughs> no, no, I think that's kind of part of this conversation, isn't it? Because, you know, with technology... You know, you can be in your pajamas, the bottom half, and only be wearing a T-shirt, the top half, and no one's going to know unless you accidentally get up to go to the bathroom, you know. <laughs> it's pretty, it's, it's been much more casual and, and intimate than uh, than sometimes we would hope. That's true, that's true. Um, and my cat has become fascinated by all the voices coming out of my laptop. She gets very attracted to it, and she has this habit of trying to land right on the keyboard, so I have to catch her in mid-flight. She's so funny. Very helpful. Yeah, but she's not in the room, so it's okay. It's not going to happen today. Um, usually, though, uh, I get her right after she eats. So she goes, curls up and goes to sleep, and she doesn't bother me through an interview, which is perfect. <laughs> She's cute, though. Um, and I know you have your doggie, Lee. Yes, yes. She's, she's, uh, I've, I've banished her off to my son's room while we're doing this interview. So. Well, Pi has the entire apartment except for my room. So she's... She's the queen of the world. She just owns it all. <laughs> uh, like a cat. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's so crazy that she has the entirety of the place, but she cries to get in here. That's because that's where you are. That's I, how they work. I know. But she has my brother. She could go play with him. <laughs> Um, so, weather-wise here, uh, it's really been sort of humid and hot. And you you said it wasn't raining, right, in Wellington, Dan? Is it okay? The weather been okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. We had a we had a beautiful day yesterday, but um, last last couple of weeks we've had we've had like torrential rain and flooding and slips and all sorts of stuff on and off. Actually, you know, typical typical sort of Wellington weather, the sort of thing that, um, that Lee moved back up to Tauranga to get away from. So we've had more of that. I like the drama. <laughs> uh, we're all in lockdown here, um, Sherry, at the moment in New Zealand, so um, the weather is kind of not affecting us quite so much, you know, if it's, if it's raining outside, we're in lockdown anyway. So um, it's uh, we're not having to commute or anything like that at the moment unless you're essential workers, which is basically just the grocery stores and medical um, and police, that kind of thing. So it's very, it's fairly draconian, um, but it's, uh, so it's very quiet at the moment. Yeah, my brother's uh, an essential worker because he's a postman. Okay. Do you guys have that too? Like the postmen are essential workers or do you, your mail doesn't stop? Yeah. Yep, post, yep, post yep. counts. Yeah, and yeah, 
quite, there's, there's, there's quite a bit that actually falls into that essential services, including you know all the delivery drivers who supply to the to, to, to the service stations and the, and the, the supermarkets and the um, and the pharmacies. So that whole supply chain, the the, the, the factories where um, where the, the food comes from, they're all considered essential essential services as well. So they carry on working, but they have to do so with a whole lot of strict controls in place to maintain physical distance so that there's there's no chance that, um, that people are spreading the virus in the workplace if, if it's there. Yeah, same here. Actually, I've been getting, uh, I I used to go to the pharmacy to pick up my, uh, my meds for my allergies and stuff, and now I, everything gets delivered. So I hardly I haven't left my apartment in a while, <laughs> even though I'm yeah. not in lockdown. It's been a, it's been such an interesting um, human and you know sort of social experiment, if you like. I mean, tragic, but also uh, you know I have to say there's been some really interesting work come out of the pandemic, or you know. Um, you know, I know that Dan. I, I just did a forward for um, Sylvia Canton Rodini's um, um, poetry anthology, which Dan is in, uh, and it's basically it's called Pan uh, Infectious uh, Hope. Infectious Hope. Yeah, and um, it's a wonderful collection. It brings together poets from all over the world and their experience of the pandemic and just. Oh, just really insightful. The kind of the feelings, at, you know, the 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 looking at the mental health issues, the repetitiveness, the isolation. It's just fascinating look at, um, you know, from different from the through the lens of poetry at people's uh, people's response to the pandemic, which you know it's very timely. And and you know, given that the pandemic has moved on, not only is it a good record because. Hopefully, one day we'll be out of this pandemic and moved on with our lives. So it is a good record, but it is also providing some relief while we're still in this pandemic to know that you're not on your own, and that um, and that, that that other people are feeling those things as well. And Dan's poem is is, is particular. It's a concrete poem. It's sort of it's on two sides of. Well, you talk about it, Dan. It's fascinating. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I did struggle a bit with writing something for it because, of course, with, with New Zealand, we, we we got things under control and we locked down and we closed the borders, and so we ended up in a, in, in a relatively safe place. And then we were we were sitting at home watching things go, you know, fairly badly around the rest of the world. So it was it was really hard to find a place to write from. And where I ended up was um, was in that survivor's guilt um, space. So thinking about thinking about how how can we be sitting here feeling quite safe when, when it's not that great for everyone else. And so I, I wrote a thing where um, down one side of the page I've, I've got a story, if you like, in very few words about sitting safely at home and, and thinking about the choices that we made. And down the other side of the page I've got something from, from another perspective on the other side of the world um, where things were particularly bad. But then... If you read them left to right, all the way down the page, it, it, it tells another story as well, which which sort of um, explores explores the, the the human tragedy, if you like. Um, and that was a yeah, it was it, it took me took me quite a while to, to put it together mm. to find the right mm. words um, to fit. But it was that that those those two distinctly separate experiences, um, but the fact that we are all experiencing them together in some way, I guess. So, so yeah, that was an interesting, 
interesting um, opportunity to, to work with structure of a poem in order to, to, to capture those um, those very different feelings. I like to write poetry when I'm upset or, or, or feeling stressed. I've, I've written a lot in the last year and a half or whatever it's been. Um, it's, it's a way, it's an expression uh, that it's, it's not, it's, it's not simple, but it's contained. So if you can like jot off what you're feeling pretty quickly in a poem, or you can't in a um, in a, like a short story that takes structure and it takes a long longer time. Um, do you feel that way? Hmm, that's a good way of thinking. And I think I think it's true that a lot of people use writing poetry as a means of dealing with their processing certain emotions and certain feelings that they might not otherwise be able to to voice so it's a it can be a private means of processing and it also can be a very public way of sharing those feelings so so yes I think that there's, there's a lot to be said for that sherry just just getting things on paper in order to process um, I, 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 to I totally agree about the structure being different from a short story, but there is still a process to be to be followed, and the editing still needs to be um, rigorous. And um, if you're going to present those poems for publication, it's perfectly fine to keep them in a drawer for yourself. There's, that's no problem at all. But if you're presenting them for publication, then obviously there's a there's a process to go through to edit to make sure that the structure does fit. Um, whatever form you might have decided, and that that this is the right way to tell uh, to tell to the story of the poem. And so I can imagine how Dan's poem for Infectious Hope took a long time to write because not only was it very impactful in terms of the the emotions that it was expressing, but also it was very clever in the way it was set out so that you could read it on two or three levels, you know, across the page, down the page. It was it it was quite. It was quite innovative, um, and that, that's another aspect of poetry which is, um, which I think is exciting. Um, I'm turning a little bit towards poetry this year myself, and so I do find it's a, a, it's a new, it's a fairly new form for me, and I'm finding it uh, um, surprising in that it takes quite a long time to really get a poem right. Oh, I understand. I wasn't saying that it was it didn't take editing and stuff. I just it's not as such, it's not as much structural um it, it you have to do a lot of structure for a short story uh, just oh, to make, yeah. make it yeah i right. understand what you're saying yeah, yeah definitely yeah. yeah um but yeah. i just i i i've always written poetry even before i thought i was going to ever write anything um my um I, they were kind of usually depressing my dad worried about me the first time he read my poems. Um, I was fine, but <laughs> but that's how I got my angst. I still do get my angst out. That you know, mm. everybody has their way. I mean, I also journal, but that's how I get my angst out. Is by uh, po but also uh, wrote a radio play because of the pandemic. Um, it's called Dimness, and it was based on isolation. And and not being able to reach out to another person, but able to communicate only audio and sort of like we're doing. Um, <laughs> that that I, I, it, it it was just it was actually one of my only plays last year. Um, <laughs> so right, but fascinating to be able to explore 
you know, um, and, and, and of value as a record for the future, but also just for processing. And, and, and you can also, you can take risks. You can take risks in the investment that you're putting into the, into the work when you take that structural sort of risk or that thematic risk um, with a poem is, is an, an entirely personal and, and you can just make that choice. It's, it's a page, maybe two pages, um, the amount of time and effort that, that you're going to put into that and the emotion that you can pour into that um, trying something new or something that you might not otherwise do um, and, and see what comes out. It's not like when you do commit to writing a short story with a, some sort of um, experimental structure or indeed a novel with, with, with um, doing something differently. Um, at least, you know, it's a, it's a short, sharp punch. It's a, a little bit like, like song lyrics as well. You know, when you start talking about what mm. you wrote when you were young, um, you know, poetry and, and, and um, lyrics have a, have, have a close relationship in that same way. And the same way you can, you can be experimental and try different things. And, and if it works, that's great. And if it, if, if it doesn't necessarily work, well, you've learned something and you, and, and you carry on and do something else. Well, I, I mean, I still do it. I mean, when my um, my mom died recently, and when my father died about ten years ago, I wrote poetry to get through it. it it's my it's one of my mechanisms. Um, <laughs> it's it, it's the way to get through, like I said, get through angst and 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 pain mm. and yeah. and stuff like that. But I think that um, yeah, I mean, poetry can be happy. I'm just. That's the way I write. <laughs> well, we're both horror writers, so you know you know that, that they're going to be angsty when they're coming from Dan and I. Uh, so, have you ever put out a collection, uh, Sherry? No, no. I've had poems published, but I haven't. Right. I, um, several. Some they they were in poetry collections, but I didn't put my own poetry collection. Right. Because I have uh, um, one of the very few copies of Urban Driftwood, which is Dan's first poetry collection, I believe. Is that right, Dan? I think it's out of print yeah. now, right? Yeah, uh, uh, well, no, it's still available. We only ever publish oh. it through Lulu, so you can get um, PDF or, or hard copy through Lulu. And it was actually it was myself and Morgan Davy and Stephen Rhodes and Elizabeth Jane. We basically compo- combined... Um, poems and extremely short stories, very, some very experimentally structural stuff, um, and we just we combined that. It was a bit of a, it was about 20, 20 years ago, but it was a bit of a coming of age sort of a um, no, moving out really into, into, into adulthood and those those rites of passage. Um, so yeah, no, we all, we all can, the four of us contributed to that and put something together just because. Um, we all had material and, and it was sitting in our drawers doing nothing and we thought, well, let's do something with it. So so we did. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you should say that you started with a, with a collab because um, my first poetry collection is, will be coming out in October and it's a, it's a collaboration with um, Angela Eureka-Smith, uh, Genevieve Flynn and Christina Singh. So uh, exciting because he's me, the yeah. baby poet. <laughs> Um, it's a follow-up to Black Crane's um, Tales of Unquiet Women. So on that sort of same theme, um, but um, looking at looking at it through the lens, that those themes through the lens of, of poetry, so Asian otherness and expectation on Asian women. And uh, the, the collection is called Tortured Willows. Um, and my mum came up with that, um, with that title. Uh, the willow is... is 
is quite a, a similar femininity and grace and also sorrow and grief in, um, in Chinese and Asian mythology. So, yeah, really, really excited. So I've spent, I just delivered the manuscript um, today. <laughs> so pretty, it's pretty top of mind. But that collaborative thing is nice because it gives you, well, a little bit like the way we've worked in the past, Dan. It just gives you that, you, you're not in it on your own. It's not quite so scary. You've got someone else there, you know, to sort of buoy you up and keep you going and, um, and and to sort of give you that confidence. I think there's a lot to be said for that in a, in a collaboration. Yeah. I yeah, think, fully I, agree. Yeah, especially for a debut. <laughs> 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 um, weren't you doing... Oh, yeah. uh, weren't you doing... I'm sorry, Dan. I, I was going to ask Lee, weren't you doing like... I, I don't remember how long ago we were talking in an interview, Lee, and you were saying that you were like... You would write a poem, and then a friend of yours would write a poem back. Are you still doing that? Oh yeah, no. So that no, that we did that for a year, um, and uh, that was in the beginning, or just before the pandemic started. So we did it for a year. We sent a haiku to each other every week, and it was just a connection. It was just rather rather nice. We haven't done anything much with those haiku. They're just sitting there as a nice record. Um, but yes, it, it did help me through the death of my dad, just writing those little haiku. Yeah, yeah. thank you for remembering. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was really cool. Um, mostly I just think that poetry is, I, I, there's so many different kinds of poetry. People like to put poetry in one category, but there is no one category. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of categories. So there should be, like, you know, and like I said, some are very stark and, and sad, and then some are very flowery and romantic, and there's, like, thousands and thousands in between. So just because it's poetry doesn't mean it's, oh, it's just a little pretty poem. No, it's not. It's everything. Yes, you're right. There's, there's some absolutely fantastic narrative poems too. Um, I can mention a few collections that have just come out. Um, Frank Hoffman's Eclipse of the Moon. I just had an opportunity to read a preview of that. It's just incredible, very comprehensive volume of um, narrative poems of all kinds. I really enjoyed that. Um, I think Jazzy Wolf has a new poetry collection coming out from Raw Dog Screaming Press. Uh, I think it's called Monstrous. Mon something to do with monsters, of course. You know that I love monsters. So, um, and Raw Dog Screaming Press is supreme when it comes to poetry collections. I think they've won the poetry section of the Bram Stoker Awards every year forever. <laughs> um, they've done very well with poetry. So, if uh, John and um, Stephanie have chosen that that collection um, to, to publish, then it, it's going to be top notch. Um, and there was someone else that I was going to like. There was another poetry collection that I um, that I was going to mention, and it's gone out of my head. I will think of it. Uh, but we should do that, Dan. We have talked about lots of sorts of collaborations, and poetry is not something that we have done. So um, we might that might have to be yeah down a plan. We might need to make a plan. Although just recently, Sherry, we. Um, we wrote a treatment for a, a, a short treatment for our um, Hounds of the of Path of Ra series on the off chance that someone might be interested in picking up the, the film version of, of that, that book series. Um, so, and Dan's been working on a, 
Dan's been working on some, some other screen stuff, so it's been quite a busy year. Oh, tell everyone about your new book, Dan, that's coming in the Children of Bane series, because I cannot wait to get my hands on it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Okay, um, so I've finished, I've finished writing the first draft of Daughters of Dust, which is the fourth book in the Children of Bane series, so it follows on from Sisters of Spindrift, which I think we, were, we, we talked about last time um, I was on the show. Um, and this, this uh, basically uh, takes Akmanos off on, a, on, on his own journey. He's, he's managed to, uh, he managed to sort of escape from everyone who was pursuing him at the end of the third book, as he manages to do at the end of each book and gets himself into even more trouble. Um, this one, he does manage to quite accidentally uh, tip off um, uh, events that will potentially lead to the end of the world. Um, so that's that's where book number four goes, um, and and meanwhile we have we have our sisters back in the uh, back in the other parts of the story who are who are trying to get on top of the fact that there are um, their own their own mother who is the pirate um, commodore who rules the, the the pirate fleets of the etheric who is um, trying to take control of the. Um, the technology that has appeared over the course of the previous three books that will allow her pirate fleet to um, to hop around between between worlds and and not have to put up with things like actually travelling any distance. Um, so and, and and so all of that is carrying on, and we we have our bad guys in the background who are who are in the process of resetting um, resetting all of their. Their, their plots and plans to to get back on track for their um, bringing their secret war back out into the in, in, into the world so that they can so that they can take advantage of the political turmoil that that, that happens to be everywhere at the moment um, and uh, along with that lots of lots of food bun, food puns and and um, unexpectedly food based solutions to to problems. Um, for Archmanos and, and his and his strange assemblage of friends that he's made along the way, one of whom uh, realizes that perhaps he just might actually be a god, and all these all these mortal people should be bowing down to him. Um, so there's there's a there's a lot going on, um, and now I'm just at the point that I I need to pull all that together in in, in book five. So I'm in a a, a bit of a, a, a an involved structural edit phase where I'm planning book five and cross-referencing back to book four to see if there's anything that I need to go back through and tweak or fix or adjust or make work so that when I get into writing book five, I'm, I, I, I can make I can make those endings all come together now because that's going to be the that's going to be that's going to be the big challenge is, is getting that payoff for that that, that investment and in, in, in reading four books to get to, to get to the end and, and, and feel like it was it was worth it. So I'm taking my time now to make sure that that everything I've written in book four is is going to nicely set me up for for being able to put book five together because I don't normally plan uh, a great deal when I'm writing these. No, um, he I, I, I tend to just. <laughs> I just I just sit, sit down and I've got some notes somewhere about what should probably happen and it, it, all of my all of my non-main characters so so all of my supporting characters 
pretend to do what they're supposed to do and they follow the storyline. It's, it's, it's just Arkmanos and his friends who, who mess everything up every time they, they get on the page. So I just I just have to make sure that, that, that I've got a, a good handle on that and then the editor has to come back in and, 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 and put them all on the line. I wonder who that would be. Well, uh, no, well yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about me, the editor, in the first place. Oh, OK. And, and then, <laughs> then, you, then you can take a look and go, no, you... Then, no, you've still got some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love this series, Jerry. Have you? I don't know if you've read any of them, but it is, um, you know, Dan tends towards darkness, and, you know, in his tales, but this is really different. It's light-hearted, it's, it's zany, it's full of, and it's, you know, it's full of characters that are just so diverse it's not funny in terms of, you know, like monsters and creatures and, you know, minotaurs and you name them, you know, they're in there, you know, there's just, and what I think is really interesting, it's a real co social commentary on sort of, and political commentary and religious commentary, you know, people's beliefs and um, it's just, it's just a whole, the world building is incredible, it needs to be a movie, it really, really does, I would love to see it, or a game, oh my goodness, it was a game, so, I mean, just, um, it's just a fabulous series, I've really enjoyed every book, and I, it's such a surprise when they turn up on my desk and I get to read them and think, oh my god, what, what is going to happen now, because the character is so every man and ordinary, and yet, well, he's not a man, he's a creature, but, um, but, He's just so unassuming. He's the accidental hero, the, the quintessential accidental hero, in fact. And um, but also there's some really big feminist themes in this in this series, which I really love. Um, and, the, and the magic just kind of holds up. It's, it's delightful, it really is. I, I'm so excited about. It. I can't wait to read the next one, Daughters of Dust. Right. So yeah. so that'll be another strongly feminist text I can imagine. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Have you got a title for the fifth one? Uh, the, the fifth one is um, Orphans of Exile. Oh, I like that. So so yeah. it doesn't it doesn't bode well for the remaining parents. Uh, <laughs> yeah, since they're Does orphans. It? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, children of bane. <laughs> Orphans of exile. Got it. Right. Okie dokie. Yes. Is so this like is this like not bode well. Is this like Star Wars? Uh, you got a big hit when it said Empire Strikes Back. Um, you knew that it was going to be a rather dark show. So anytime it has a title like that, you know, uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It has been interesting what people what people take away from it. Um, you know, when we talk about Sisters of Spindrift in particular, um, we we get into the feminist themes that that, that crop up there. Um, I had another interview where I was talking with um, where I was I was talking with um, that mind, mind blank. But we were talking about the second book and the the, the first and second book and the themes of bullying and standing up to bullying because Arkmanos is of um, Arkmanos mm. is is very much the the the, the the youngest sibling who's always been pushed around and 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 over the course of these books is is forced to um, to stand up for himself and to to take on um, a little bit more. Um, you know, he he needs to actually learn to, to 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 resist and 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 he he walks away from that with something. Um, so it's it has been interesting talking to other people who have read the book saying I really took this away from it. So it's um. Yeah, so, so that's been really great to get different people's feedback.
influence I've found um, in in my writing when I've when I've stepped into this world would would have been Terry Pratchett, who was uh, mm. definitely a satirist. He was he was definitely um, took pot shots at society, at politics, at at, um, at all of these social structures, and that was that's that's probably where I was leaning with this was was trying to do something that people would find um, in the in the same vein as as, as Terry Pratchett, though. I've, Yeah. 
the other other things I've got going on at the moment, um, I have put myself forward as a as a mentor as well for the Australian Horror Writers Association, and um, um, have picked up a mentee for that. So that's just sort of happened in the last couple of weeks. So I should be uh, getting some of their work to look at soon. Oh, it's um, so, such an exciting feeling when you sort of have a hand in somebody else's work, isn't it? It's just yeah, 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 yeah so nice. So that's that, that, that's interesting. Um, I've I've really on focused on the the, the, the children of Bane stuff. Um, the, the sh- so I'm just concentrating on children of Bane at the moment. So I've got to get those those books planned out and edited and then um, sent through and start on book five. Uh, I've got this short story that I'm working on with with Lee. And that's, I've also, I've got another little project in the wings that I need to follow up on, which involves a, a, a novella of mine, um, where there might be some interest in that for possibly, um, possibly developing that for the screen. So those are, those are probably the major things that I'm working on um, at the moment going forward. Cool. And... Um Okay, we're coming to the end. So, do you have uh, anything like um, virtual conventions or virtual meetups or anything like that that you want to let um, people know that are coming up like next month? Uh, I do. I'm on um, the the and and. Um, an event for in support of the Pixel Project, which is the uh, domestic abuse project, international domestic abuse project. The the book is called Giving the Devil Its Due. So I'm on a I'm on a um, very exciting um, podcast uh, with a uh, vlog with um, I think Missy Shaw. So I'm excited about that. That's um, on my time. It's a Saturday the fourth, but I think it might be. <laughs> the third in your time. Yeah. Um, and then also uh, I'm in September again, I'm in Latopia Pop-Up Submissions, the UK program, um, sort of like a dragon's den of new book projects, which I absolutely love. It's very fun. Uh, sort of, yeah, lots of other things, actually, but most of them are in person, and now we're in lockdown. I'm not sure if some of them are going to happen. My daughter's getting married next month, and so that's, oh. the, that's the big thing that I'm looking forward to. Congratulations.
that which is which is which is fun. It was it was a really fun little interview. Um, but no, I've got I've got nothing like that booked at the moment, and um, you know I'm just really hoping that we just churn on through and, and, and make it as far as next year and that and that next year will be a little bit more sane and rational and, and, and that, than these last two have been. Yeah. Oh, gosh, we yes, all pray for that. for that. Yeah, we all want that. Um, yeah. uh, so we're coming to the end. Uh, do you guys have websites? And can you, like, spell it out for the people so they can write them down? Yeah, and mine is very easy. It's leemurray.info. So www.leemurray.info. And you can find me at dan.raybarts, R-A-B-A-R-T-S, dot com. Um, and if you want to, there's a link at the top right-hand side of the page to sign up for my newsletter, which uh, used to be monthly, and at this point in time is about quarterly. I'm currently working <laughs> on the May edition. Um, <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Oh. I know. It's, it's really hard to get everything done that you want to get done. <laughs> And um, sure is. do you guys have um, what? What is your um, well handle on the different social media so that people can say hi? Oh, I'm uh, Lee Murray Reicher um, on Twitter at Lee Murray Reicher, and um, I hardly ever go to Instagram. Sorry, people. Uh, I look. You know, I'll put our links in your chat. Um, uh, Sherry, when you when you post the podcast, and then people can easily find us. Okay. Yeah. Ge- generally speaking, if you search for Raybarts on any of those any of those places, you'll you'll find me. I'm at Raybarts on Twitter, uh, Dan Raybarts on Instagram, uh, Dan Raybarts on Facebook. So. Yeah, there's only one Dan Raybarts. There's, there's, there's only one. There's only one. <laughs> Not too much confusion there. All right, all right. Um, it's, it's, it's not. It's not like I have an alter ego as a as a boxer, eh, Lee? <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. Yeah, usually there's more than one any name. Um, <laughs> so. Not Dan Rabus. Seriously, I think he's the only one. So yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so that makes it very him very discoverable. Okay. But the uh, marketing tool. I changed my name, so it's a marketing tool. No, I didn't. It is, it is my name. <laughs> I'm sure that's what your parents thought of when they gave you the, the name Dan. Um, <laughs> that's right. Anyway, thank you so much. Uh, I, I hope you had fun. Um, it's lovely talking to you guys again. All right, thank you for having thanks, us. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry.